Hey yo! Welcome to episode 26 of the Hungry for Hockey Talk podcast. This is Grant, your host, and this week I've got Johnny B back. How you doing, Johnny B? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, man. Thanks for having me back. This is, uh, I'm sorry I missed you last week. Uh, had a friend's wedding in Ottawa, so. Yeah, you were on a plane. It's all good. <laughs> uh, so this week we have some very special guests to talk about the Arizona Coyotes. That is something we recognize very well, gentlemen. (laughs) We have Corey Crenshaw and Richie Flores from the Corey and Richie Show. How are you guys doing? Very, very good. It's nice to be on here with you guys. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you for coming on. We're excited to, to be talking coyotes with you guys. Where should we start? Should we just do a year in review, I guess? Yeah, wherever yeah, you guys want to go, we're ready. Sure. Sounds good. Yeah, so what got you guys most excited about your team this past season? And um, yeah, let's let's start with that for now. Probably the fact that this is a young team that actually has potential. There's been a lot of rebuilding for a while, and we've been saying, you know, five years down the road, so many years down the road, it's actually going to come into something. This year, we actually saw uh, quite the improvement in the chemistry of the team and the leadership of the team. I think this was the first year that OEL actually showed himself to be a worthy captain and that uh, Stepan, I think, helped him quite a bit on with that as well. So I think this is the first season that we've actually seen this rebuilding actually be somewhat prosperous. I mean, there is still a lot of problems with the team offensively. I mean, their 209 goals were tied for the worst, third worst in the NHL and their 16.3% power play success was sixth worst, but their uh, penalty kill was extremely, extremely good this year. So I think there is a lot of good things to take out of it, but mostly it's the fact that their ability to bury the puck just isn't there. Yeah. For, for me, I thought the most interesting thing that I learned from this season was last year I was a not a fan of Rick Tockett. I was, I'm Corey will tell you this too, is that I wanted him fired about 25 <laughs> games in the last season. Like I thought he was completely in over his head. He had no idea how to coach at the NHL level. He was basically masquerading as a head coach, even though he's really an assistant. But this year he proved to me, I thought he did one of the best coaching jobs, if not the best coaching job in the NHL this year. And I, I think it's ridiculous that he didn't get a nod for the Jack Adams award because he, his team was riddled with injuries all season. I think it was, oh, yeah. I don't have the exact number I don't have the exact number in front of me, but I think it was like over 300 games lost to injury wow. on his mm-hmm. roster this year. And he still managed to only miss the playoffs by just a few points. Um, and that to me is, is exciting is that he was able to learn how to, how to coach at this level and learn how to adapt to his players. And, and to me, that's, that's huge. And that's, that's what the Coyotes needed after, you know, the departure of Dave Tippett, who, I know we'll talk about it in a little bit, but Dave Tippett was very structured. He had a certain way you needed to play, um, and you knew exactly what you were going to get from a Dave Tippett team. So I think now 
Tockett's players kind of know how to play a Rick Tockett style game. And now that hopefully next year you're going to find a lot of these guys healthy, especially Auntie Ronda, it's going to be a fascinating team to watch next year. Again, they just need to fix their goal scoring ability again, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, for most of this show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that was that was the most ridiculous thing. You guys lost your number one goalie 12 games in, basically. He only played 12 games um, the entire year. Darcy Kemper stepped up big and played 55 games. Um, like I was, I was really impressed with his numbers as well. Uh, for 55 games, it was the most games he's played in the last five years. Uh, the most he'd played before that was 21 for the Minnesota Wild in 2015-16. And he put up good numbers, 233 goals against average, 925 save percentage um, for 55 games. Like He was one of the hottest goaltenders down the stretch. And he really got you guys real close to, to the playoffs there. Yeah, you, were, you guys were in it right until game 80 or so, right? That was a pretty, pretty yeah, remarkable run. We got knocked out 80, game 81, right? That yeah. When Colorado beat Winnipeg, which was the second-to-last game of the season. Yeah, well, uh, once uh, the Coyotes lost to the Kings, uh, like, yeah, uh, like yeah, a game yeah. or two before, it, we basically all knew it was over. I don't. Yeah. I forgot that game completely happened, to be honest. I don't – I've kind of erased that game from my memory. Oh, I went for a nice run after that, so I <laughs> okay. remember it very clearly. <laughs> I was really pulling for Arizona. I, not, yeah. a huge, not a huge fan of Colorado, but like it would, I thought it would have been really exciting to see them make it. Colorado's becoming the new cocky kids. <laughs> I mean, they tied a game, then they celebrated because they got into playoffs. But it's like, okay, you didn't even you didn't win, win particularly. You just got into playoffs. Congratulations, you don't have a Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yeah, but uh, yeah, good points about about Tockett because he didn't have Jacob Chikrin for most of the year either, and he probably would have made a bit of a difference as well. Um, I know he's not like particularly offensively minded, but he's still a top four D man, I'd say. Yeah, he's he's probably my favorite Kyrie to watch. He's I'm a, I'm a big fan of his, and that my that's one of my criticism of Tockett down towards the last maybe two weeks of the season is chick didn't play that much. He scratched him on a pretty consistent basis. And I, I'm not really sure why grand he's still only like 20 years old, I think. So he's still got a lot of maturing mm-hmm. to do, but yeah, if you watch him play, he's, he's exactly what you want at the NHL level. He's only going to continue to get better. It's mostly because he was making a lot of boneheaded plays there at the very end. And it was just at the point where you were looking at him and you weren't even sure if his mindset was right. I think it was kind of smart for him to scratch him through those because a lot of times I thought he needed the time to mentally regroup because I don't know if the pressure got to him, but he was not playing in the last third of the season like he was in the first two thirds. Yeah, for sure. And his injury could have had something to do with that too. He'd been out for so long. Um, His timing and rhythm might have just been off. And so Taka probably just figured he'd be good for the the kid to watch a couple games from the press box just to see the see it from like a bird's eye view. Um, yeah. John, do you have anything else to add? Oh, I was just gonna say, yeah, he's he's twenty one. He'll he'll grow into it. I think it's, some of it might have been just immaturity and not um, not knowing not not having that experience, right? So, mm-hmm. um, 
Yeah, I was just gonna. I was just gonna say I was listening to some interviews with uh, Talkett throughout the season, and uh, it seems like he's just like a really good players coach. In that, um, throughout the entire season, he didn't really put too much pressure on because uh, Keller was going through a scoring slump and Galchenyuk was going through a scoring slump, and he, it seemed like he wasn't putting too much pressure on the guys, um, and he just was kind of understanding, um, and especially with the fact that you guys were dealing with so many injuries, and it, it was it was it seemed like he had a good attitude towards the team, and the team um, just like watching, especially some of those runs that you guys had at home, just like the attitude of in the in the room was really good. I, I thought. Um, that was just like some observations that I had throughout the year. Yeah, he's talked about in the past how, especially last season, he kind of came in and, and was a delegator more so than anything else at the beginning of, of last season when they were struggling. And then he was pretty open about him ch- changing his style about midway through his first season here in Arizona. And you saw the change because you remember at the tail end of that was it 17, 18 season, those last 30 games, the Coyotes were actually one of the top, you know, what, 10 teams in the league. And what he was mm-hmm. doing was he was essentially more of what he was doing in Pittsburgh, which was he was more of a more of a teacher, more so than a delegator and just a guy who yeah. was working behind the scenes. And and that's paying off. And that's that's huge, especially it's refreshing to see in, in a city, guys, where, you know, obviously Corey and I are in Phoenix and um, let's uh, our football coach, Steve Wilkes, with the Arizona Cardinals, got fired after a season. Our basketball coach, Igor Kokoshkov, with the Suns, got fired after one season. And they didn't have time to – they were first-year head coaches, both of them, and they didn't have time to learn how to be a head coach. So it, it's nice to see Rick Tockett doing that and – the Coyotes and John Chica and the ownership going, Hey, listen, we know this is going to take some time. Have at it. Yeah. It's great to, great to see that uh, check is giving him kind of the, the, the time to be able to try things out. And especially with this, uh, the, the, your offensive core being so young, I think it's going to take some time. And I think having that approach be, being more of a teacher um, is the, the right way to go with such so many young kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Chica also understands that you guys are a young team, so he needs to give the coach more time, um, more leash, I guess, to to build those relationships with the players so that they can actually play to their full potential. Um, so speaking of your lack of scoring, um, what I, I guess that would be where you hope to see your team improve in the offseason. Um is there a particular free agent or trade target that you would like to see the Arizona Coyotes go after? I would love Panarin, but that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think everybody would love yeah, Panarin. I think all, <laughs> other 30, all, all 31 NHL teams want that to happen, but unfortunately it's not going to happen here. I think the, 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 yeah. talk, the talk here in, in Arizona is we have um, this – like I have a, a big admiration for Mitch Marner – who should have been an Arizona Coyote, as, as Corey will tell you. Her and I were watching the – we were in the at the Coyotes draft party a couple of years ago. Was that 2015 when Dylan Strom was drafted? I think so. Yeah, t- 2015. And I was not a happy person when they drafted Strom over <laughs> Mitch Marner. I was a big Mitch Marner guy. So, Oh, wow. It, it's likely not going to happen. Like, I don't see 
Um, <laughs> I don't see him being appreciated by anybody. He's probably going to resign with Toronto for big freaking money, and that's going to screw him over for the next their cap situation. But I can dream, right? I can dream. Yeah. yeah. If you guys want a video of that, I have a video of it. So just <laughs> I always have blackmail. Send that along. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, let's get that tweeted up there. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so other than Panarin, I mean, like, what's what's your Russian community like? That's, that's basically what, what he's that's looking the, for, right? Right, right. <laughs> um, not good so, enough. Yeah, yeah. There's that. That's not one of our. Um, do we have any? Oh, we have Labushkin. Yeah, we have Ilya Labushkin. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I mean, is that the only? Is that the only? I mean, Russian I, we have. Galchenyuk's kind, kind of a Russian. Of? <laughs> yeah. He speaks Russian. Yeah, Does he's he? the only. He's the yeah. only Russian on the Coyotes. So that's yeah. yeah. It's not one of our selling points. <laughs> <laughs> Out of our yeah. many selling points, the weather being one of them, <laughs> yeah. the Russian community is not one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's your Russian community like? <laughs> um, so Artemi Panarin is, is the only guy that you want to see uh, the Coyotes go after. I mean, there's I have a I have a couple other names that I think would be interesting, and it's not you know one of the top you know seven or eight guys because I was looking at the free agent list last night actually. Hmm. Um. And the guy I would love, although, I, again, I doubt it's going to happen, but they should at least try and go after him, um, is obviously Anders Lee from the Islanders. Okay, right. Yeah, um, yeah. And I mean, it's going to be really tough. Like He was a 20-goal scorer this year without um, his boy John Tavares. So mm-hmm. um, still young. He's still under 30 years old. Um, but he is, the, he is their captain. So yeah. I doubt New York would let him go. But similar to like similar to what the Coyotes did with James Van Reems like last year, where they were down basically it was basically between them and Philadelphia at the end of the day, um, and they went hard after him, even though it was, wasn't all that likely that he was ever going to come here. They should do the same thing with Anders Lee, and mm-hmm. there's a couple other guys too that that kind of fascinate me, like down the like. Jeff Skinner would be great. He ain't coming here. Uh, I was actually just going to bring him up too. He had his career best forty goals this this season, so mm-hmm. he uh, he was up there with Eichel. But I just i I think whoever whoever the Coyotes would pick up would have to be a dominant goal scorer, which is hard because they're all going to be worth a lot of money. So yeah. that's going to be the problem that we're hitting. And I mean, there is a lot of people on this team that understand you know, like OEL understands that he, when he took his contract that, you know, he can't be asking for insane amounts of money because this team just doesn't have it. And in order for it mm-hmm. to be a winning team, they need to have those, that uh, cap space. But I mean, in general, this team just a lot of times doesn't have the money to spend on a player that would make that much of an influential difference. Yeah. That's why like some of the guys that I've been talking about, it's kind of almost a pipe dream in a way. Cause it's like, it'd be great, but I don't think the money's going to be there. Cause John Chica isn't that active in free agency every year anyway. And yeah. that's because of their, their money situation, but he's more of a, he's more of a guy that's going to make a trade. Well, and the, the thing about Chica is you have to understand he's 
a highly stats guy, which sometimes come, rubs me off the wrong way because of the fact that being around hockey my whole life, I'm very in tune to the chemistry of a team and how they work together is just as important yeah. as what they're able to put up. So I, I sometimes I don't 100% believe in the things that he does, but some a few of them have been working out lately, so I need to – relax but i mean there are certain <laughs> players that were you know obviously traded recently that did much better once they left so <laughs> maybe it is the chemistry thing I, it's it's just hard to say he does everything highly off of statistics though that's his background and that's where he likes to uh rely his thoughts in and that's kind of why he picked up a center in the draft when we were all like why do we need another center mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that w- we'll, we'll we'll get to those trades in a little bit, I guess. But uh, I, I was surprised that the Islanders signed Anders Lee or signed Brock Nelson, sorry, before Anders Lee. Because, yeah, like you said, Anders Lee is their captain. He scored 28 goals, Good. which isn't 40, but still 28 goals. Um, and they still need to sign Robin Lehner, too. So Anders Lee could be could be an option for for you guys as well. Um, maybe a Jordan Eberle, but yeah, actually, yeah, he was another name that was on my list too. He he'd be interesting. Um, again, you're, all these guys are just are you know around twenty goals, um, yeah, which isn't really that much in today's NHL. But it's like it's for for the Coyotes, it's like holy smokes, that guy scored twenty <laughs> goals, holy crap! Because nobody nobody, I'm sure you guys know this, no twenty goal scores this year for the Coyotes. Their leading goal scorer it was it was a tie. It was Alex Galchenyuk and Brad Richardson with nineteen. Yeah, Brad oh, Richardson geez. was the Coyotes' leading goal scorer. Just let's just take a moment to <laughs> okay, let's let, that set, like, let that set in. What? <laughs> oh man. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. speaking of trades, uh, there's a rumor going around the NHL that um, I mean, I have no idea what Chica's interest is on this, um, but. Uh, Apparently, Phil Kessel um, has he has, so he has a no tr- or a, a limited no trade clause where he can put up eight teams that he wants to be traded to, um, and I don't think he really wants to leave. But there's a rumor going around basically saying that the only team he's really willing to be traded to is Arizona. What are your thoughts on that? I haven't looked into that much. I'm kind of I actually think it's pretty funny that the only place that he wants to be traded to is here, <laughs> and I always feel like. Anytime anyone's getting towards the end of their career or someone needs to take up a, a contract that, uh, you know, has been holding over a team, it's like, oh, let's just give it to Arizona. <laughs> I don't know why it always goes that direction. <laughs> I mean, how many contracts are we holding on to of players that aren't even playing at this yeah, point? You got, you got Marion Hosa for another two years. <laughs> That's 5.275. Yeah. 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 And so Mike Ribeiro still on there at yeah. 1.94. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bad name. In, in we, we don't like to talk about him. Yeah, uh, yeah. going back to, to Phil Kessel, he, <laughs> the, re, like, the reason why he would probably be interested in coming here is because of Rick Tockett. Right. Obviously, because Rick Tockett was, in a way, was almost considered the kind of Kessel whisperer, I guess. Okay. He was an assistant coach there in Pittsburgh for a couple of years, and that's that's the only connection there to make. And like 
I think Coyotes fans are a little bit divided on him as far as if they want him here or not because of his mm-hmm. age. But you, you go look at his numbers, and he's played all 82 games the last, I think, four or five seasons. Last year he was he put up 50-plus points. He had 27 goals. Yeah, damn near 30 goals. Like, he can still – he can still play. And there was a great article I read the other day from the Penguins SB Nation site, which another reason why some Coyotes fans don't think he'd be a fit here is because of his contract. But according to this uh, SB Nation article, it wouldn't be too bad. It was very it was a very front-loaded contract, so it's not as expensive now as it was back in, back in the past. I think he's still got, what, three years left on it? He's 32 years old. Coyotes do need some extra veterans on their roster, but essentially the cap hit would be less than $6 million, which for a guy who is probably going to, at worst, going to get you 20 goals, play all 82 games, and fill a hole on this roster, which is you know at the wing spot, which the Coyotes aren't very deep in, um, I would do it. In a, I would do it in a heartbeat if if a trade is there, and I would do it. I would do it for I would even do it for a guy like Christian Dvorak. I think he'd be on the table in a trade like that because the Kyrie center depth is a little deeper mm-hmm. than it has been lately. They have um Christian Dvorak didn't play that much last season. Obviously, he missed probably 70 games, I'd say, off the top of my head. Um so you maybe throw in a Christian Dvorak in that trade, maybe a second round pick and maybe that you can make that happen. Um cuz I'm sure Pittsburgh would love themselves a guy who's under 25 and a center who's actually really good. I, I really like Dvorak, but I'd give him up in a heartbeat <laughs> for Phil Kessel. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was, I was going to say, I didn't think that, uh, that they, that the Arizona Coyotes had enough prospect capital to, to pry Kessel away from, from Pittsburgh. And well, I mean, that's the thing is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is the ones that would be trying to trade him, right? So yeah. they're kind of selling him at a disadvantage, right? They're trying to get rid of him, I guess. But he's also said he's also said that he'd be happy keeping him, obviously, because you're you still it's Phil Kessel. <laughs> it's Phil Kessel. Yeah, so two time you, two time Stanley Cup champ. Yeah, so if you don't, if he doesn't have a deal that he likes, then I mean, he would hold on to him, but. uh yeah, I could see you guys doing that because you really don't have anybody that you'll need to up in the next few years here, other than Clayton Gal- Keller, Galchenyuk. Uh, you have to figure out. You have to figure out what you're going to do with him anyway. He's not going to make more than four point nine million dollars. Oh, that's true. Like maybe, no like way. maybe, maybe a little bit, but not, not uh, <laughs> maybe Tyler Bozak money, but <laughs> uh, even then, I'd be wary. <laughs> and then. You have to also factor in the fact that Barrett Hayton is pretty close as far as I've heard. I haven't paid too much attention to, like, I've obviously paid attention, but I I don't know how NHL-ready he is. But from what people are saying, he's pretty NHL-ready. And so with as many centers as we have, we have a few to spare. Mm. Yeah, geez, you guys do have a lot of centers. <laughs> yeah, too. Pretty deep, and it's simply because uh, Chaika is looking was when he was going into the draft was basically looking at it as it's harder to find really solid centers. So um, he wanted to, he wanted to basically be so deep in centers that it wouldn't be a problem for the team. Hmm. Yeah, it's just too bad he didn't draft a center right winger in uh, in Mitchell Marner, I guess. But. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Just they, put dagger into our hearts again. They were looking for more of a bird neuron. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. Okay, well, let's uh, let's get into that then. What did you guys think of the Domi and Strom trades at the time that they happened? So Domi was traded to the Montreal Canadiens for Alex Galchenyuk. I'd like to thank you, by the way, for <laughs> quite a wonderful player. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Dylan Strom was traded to the Chicago Blackhawks for, and along with... Um, Brennan Perlini. Uh, yes, Perlini. Perlini yeah. To the Chicago Blackhawks for um, Nick Schmaltz and I think a few other players. So going into that trade, neither of us were too happy for uh, about Domi, simply because Domi was the way that this team, and you have to understand in our market, it's kind of hard because you have to brand this team well in order for people to pay attention. And uh, Shane Doan has been forever since the since the team moved here has been mm-hmm. the face of this team and everyone thought that Domi with his story and the way that he was interacting in the community and everything else was going to be the next Doan. They were preparing him to be the next Doan. I got my boyfriend for his birthday a Domi jersey cuz I thought Domi wasn't going anywhere. That's how I was looking at this and most of the people who were true Coyotes fans here. So when that trade happened, we were all a little bit shocked. And so we weren't particularly happy about it when it happened. As for um, the other trade, Richie, tell them how you really feel. I (laughs) I I I would like to start out with you and then I'll come back into this. Yeah. <laughs> you guys can probably figure I'm not the biggest fan of, of Dylan Strom. I, he just, he wasn't fun to watch. He, he wasn't working out here. I didn't like when they drafted him really that much. Again, I was a Mitch Marner guy. Um, mm-hmm. He, he just wasn't working out here. He, he was playing on the bottom six, which I don't think is where, obviously where he, that's not where he belongs. He belongs playing, you know, like he is in Chicago. Chicago was utilizing him perfect, playing alongside the players he's playing with there, and it, it worked for him. But, yeah, when that that trade went down, and I was 100% fine with it. He Dunstrom wasn't going to work here, um, especially with the drafting of Barrett Hayton last year. Um, and they got a guy, Nick Schmaltz, who was playing well for the Coyotes. He was basically uh, – I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he was basically a, a point per game player, maybe a little bit less um, before he got hurt. Yeah, so he had 14 points in 17 games, um, and that's yeah. pretty productive. I, and I, honestly, I think if he was healthy, the Coyotes probably would have made the playoffs because I think he made Clayton Keller a better player, and Clayton Keller made Nick Schmaltz a better player. So mm-hmm. I, I would redo the trade again um, in a heartbeat. Um, I think and mm-hmm. Nick Schmaltz re-upped his contract too. So he's going to be around here for a couple of years, and I, I really like him as a player. I, I so I would do that trade again in a heartbeat. That was a great trade by John Chica. Yeah, it, it he was not working here all in in the minors. He was lighting it up. As soon as he got moved up to the NHL level, he took a giant dump, and it could have been the fact that he was never really given the ability to be on 
some higher lines as he was in um, with the Blackhawks, Chicago. That's what I was thinking of, Chicago, <laughs> in Chicago. Um, but uh, so when he was there, he was on a line with one of his old teammates and um, Patrick Kane for a while there. And so, uh, I mean, a Kane to bring it uh, – um, Strom, thank you. I I, yeah. I wipe him out of my memory whenever I can. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when you have a line like that, it's kind of hard for you not to be successful. I mean, for they sure. started moving him around after that, but I I think it's kind of one sided when it comes to him moving there and seeing his success. I think a lot of it has to do with the people he's surrounded by. And he just did not have any of those people to be surrounded by here in Phoenix. And I just really think that it all depends on who he is supported by because he himself, I would say, is never really going to be his own superstar. Yeah. No, that's that's a good point. Um, I, I was super excited about that trade for Chicago because they were able to reunite Dylan Strom and Alex Debrinkit. And that was really fun to watch, just seeing them um, basically play junior hockey again uh, with Patrick Kane. Like the, That was a really fun line to watch. But at the same time, Dylan Strom is so slow. Oh, he, <laughs> like the dude just drags his feet. He's so slow. <laughs> it's like the man has um, a parachute attached to his back all day long. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, it's crazy. There, there, were, there were a lot of defensive miscues. Uh, that I saw from him because he just wasn't in position. But yeah, I think, I think that was a good trade that worked out well for both teams because like you said, yeah, Nick Schmaltz really elevated Clayton Keller's game. He also was able to elevate Galchenyuk's game when they were aligned together on that top line. And then that was able to, you were able to move Derek Stepan down to the second line to, to help with the depth there. I agree. I think that Nick Schmaltz would have been a big factor uh, down the stretch if he wasn't injured. Um, and only played like 14, 17 games for you guys. So yeah, I, I think uh, the future's looking pretty bright for you guys, especially when you're talking about um, the up-and-comers. I love when you occasionally get really Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> when you're saying Chica, you got Canadian. You just did the about. I'm, I'm liking it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I didn't even think about that. I guess it's just... Just happens when I'm talking hockey, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, would you guys make an offer if you were John Shaka for an RFA? Um, we've had this question a couple times. I'm just interested in hearing what um, uh, or what people are thinking as well. So, if you guys were John Shaka, would you offer sheet a player, and who would you go after? Yeah, I, that's one of the things that just. I don't understand about the NHL is, and it just annoys the crap out of me. It's the old boys club <laughs> mentality, the old white dudes that run the NHL that are the general managers in the NHL that for whatever reason are afraid to piss people off from an offer sheet. But like, dude, it's freaking business. I'm here to win championships. <laughs> I'm not here to make you happy. And if a player on your team is going to make me better, of course I'm going to offer sheet you. And I don't understand why mm-hmm. there's not more of them. You see some of them in the NBA from time to time, but it's I, I don't understand why more teams don't do it. And 
to answer your question, it's easy, of course. Absolutely. If I'm John Chaika, I'm running to freaking Toronto and delivering <laughs> Mitch Marner a seven-year deal worth like $55 million. Like, dude, come play here. And then and then once Austin Matthews becomes a free agent in seven we'll years, bring him over. he's going to come here to Phoenix too and you can get reunited. <laughs> yeah. This is the whole Austin Matthews <laughs> pipe dream. <laughs> I think it's been a pipe dream since the beginning of when everyone was like ready to get his last name on a jersey. It's like, you know, it, it, that's yeah, no, nah, I don't, I don't see it happening. The man is worth way too much money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, way too much money. Way too much money. Um, I'm curious, like, why do you guys think offer sheets don't happen more often? It, yeah, it's it's this idea within the NHL that you have to. It's it's not right to do it. It's like like you were saying, the old boys club. It's you don't want to offend anyone or piss anyone off. And I think part of it is is you want to keep good relations with other GMs so that you can facilitate trades. Um, and that, well, that's part of it. Is like so. <laughs> I'm a little bit in the point where like why would you piss off your coworker so that way your coworker could come and screw you over later? It's kind of a little respect thing at a certain point like I I don't know. I it's funny cuz I normally agree with Richie on these type of things, but there's sometimes I think uh not pissing people off is sometimes a better idea because you then you can have better relationships when you really really need something down the road. But to me it doesn't you can if I'm going to win a Stanley Cup with Mitch Marner on my team, I can piss off the entire freaking league and I wouldn't care. Yeah, I mean like we're not about nice at a certain we're about winning championships. At a certain point you get you got to shoot your shot, right? Like when a when a generational player like Mitch Marner comes along and you have the opportunity to get him on your team, you have to you have to do it. You mm. have to try. But that that yeah. sounds like a very guy mentality. Actually, <laughs> sometimes you just gotta shoot your so. shot. <laughs> so so you're at a you're at a bar and this guy's with his girlfriend. You think the girlfriend's really hot. You're gonna go shoot your shot, even though you think you might end up getting in a fight with the boyfriend. Um, <laughs> that's Ooh, a good that's, point. Uh, that, I have never thought I've of never it that thought way. Of that way. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good point, actually. Or would you but, go and uh, become friends with the boyfriend so you can maybe <laughs> weasel your way into the girlfriend? That's some sneaky shit. See, that's you have pretty to think sneaky. Like a woman. <laughs> I'd rather be up. I'd rather be upfront about it. I'd rather be very upfront about it. <laughs> See, there yeah. you go. Yeah, but I I don't know. That's uh, <laughs> never thought there, of it that. There way. are picks going back too, and and like like in your scenario, Corey. Um, the the player or the girlfriend in this in this sense would have to agree to go, right? Um, but my point my point about it is that if you have generational talents like Mitch Marner, Patrick Laine, Miko Rantanen, you you have to you have to go for it. Especially okay, so if right now the RFA conversation is um, between eight point four million. And 10.5, you're giving up two first rounders, one second rounder, and a third round pick. If it's more than $10.5 million that you're signing the player to, it's four first round picks. In my opinion, uh, it's worth it because you're giving up chances to get a player of that caliber to get a player of that caliber. Because you're, you're going through the draft, you don't know whether you're going to get a player like that. 
So if you have the sure thing, if the player agrees to play on your team, I think that it's worth it. And you going after this team, obviously you're trying to approach contender status. So your first round picks aren't going to be worth much anyway because they're going to be further down in the draft. You're picking like maybe 20th overall or 25th overall um, with with this generational talent on your team. You don't want to be doing it if you're, you know, rebuilding like uh, what's a bad rebuilding team right now? I can't think of Columbus. any right now. But... I'd just say the Oilers. <laughs> yeah. They're in a constant rebuild. There you go. Yeah, yeah the Oilers too, I guess. But um... <laughs> I mean, the Kings. But, but the Oilers would want to do that. If they had the cap room, they the Oilers, I think, would want to do that because, you know, then they can finally find that top six winger to play with, with McDavid and, and Dreisaitl. But uh, that's just that. Yeah, that's just my opinion about it. You're you're giving up chances to get a player of that caliber to get the player of that caliber. And I, I understand your 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 point about um, you know wanting to to have respect and and um, you know not piss your coworkers off, Corey. Uh, but I mean, I feel like if you're doing it within the division, that I mean, they're not going to want to trade with you anyway. So also, what if what if that what if your boss is disrespecting your coworker by not paying them or not offering them the amount of money that they actually deserve? So that, you're kind that's of a good point. Not treating them right. That that is a good point. I mean, for most GMs, like it that would the sure the surefire thing would be the way to go. But Chaika is just not that way. He does everything off of his probabilities and analysis and his statistics, <laughs> and he it's kind of like the fact that he jumped. I don't even remember how many spots down it was to get Hayton. And everyone was like, what are you doing? Like that, (laughs) you could have picked him up so much later. And he said, statistically, in the future, you will see what I'm talking about. And he realizes that no one can see what he sees, but he thinks it'll pay off in the long run. I mean, we haven't seen... Barrett Hayden in the NHL level, and it could be another Strom situation. We don't know, but uh, I think a lot of times with him, he so is fine-tuned in his own mind that he would much rather take a probability that he's statistically planned out as opposed to something he knows is good and could go bad. He's not a robot. You make him sound like a robot. He, <laughs> he is much more. He's a human being. He is much more the new age of GM. Yeah. Because Maloney was the old age of GM and it was the old boys club. It was 100% the old boys club, everything with Maloney, which is why he had older players. Tippett uh-huh. dealt with older players better. And then when they brought in Chaika, he was much more of the new age where it's basically the difference between, you know, uh, writing on pen and paper and taking notes on your iPad. It's basically like Chaika is the new generation to come of GMs. He is the epitome of where this league is going. Yeah, and, him, and, him and Kyle Dubas combined between the Coyotes and Toronto, they're the future of the NHL. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder um, I wonder how much Don Maloney had to do with uh, the Flames signing James Neal for five years at 5.75 million because <laughs> yeah we we have we have all the old arizona executives i guess because trelliving yeah, is our Trelliving, GM. yeah maloney is now our scout i'm pretty sure yep oh no he's vp of oh. hockey 
Oh. Oh yeah, he comes. Oh, good he's, luck with He that. comes to the Coyotes games, so he's he's up there at the Coyotes games. Yeah, hmm. back back in the uh, the old hood, GMDM. <laughs> at least his last season. Yeah. I don't know when he became the VP of hockey. Oh yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah, it's, that's in Wikipedia though. That was back in 2016. He was hired as a scout. Yeah, well, it's a, he he still comes sometimes to the games as a scout. Mm-hmm. Up in yeah, the yeah, I think he's a scout now, but um, or maybe he is the VP. I don't remember, but <laughs> yeah, if you're are, listening, let us know. <laughs> yeah, now we don't. We're not too knowledgeable about prospects on the hockey hungry for hockey talk podcast. But who do you guys want your team to draft in the position that you guys are in? Yeah. Fourteen. You guys have thoughts. Yeah, on that? I do. Yes. Uh, Richie always has thoughts on who we should draft. I, I, I have. I love, love looking at this time of year and NHL and prospects in the draft. It's, it, I, it's one of my favorite things to do every year. And I, and this, this year, like I, like last year, I had a couple of guys in mind for the Coyotes, and I was very, very pissed when they took Barrett Hayton over. Uh, um, the guy that ended up going to Detroit, and his name is escapes me right now. Uh, and he had a terrible season for the Red Wings. But if there, you go to our Instagram, you'll see both of our rants about it. I can't <laughs> think of it. Yeah. Um, was it Zadina? Zadina. Yes. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Zadina. Yes, I've wiped his name from my memory too, so I don't have to cry every time. <laughs> um, yeah. So there's a couple of guys on, on my on my list this year. The Coyotes are picking 14, so they're in a little bit of an interesting position. Um, obviously mm-hmm. you're not, you're not going to be in contention for Jack Hughes or, or my guy, Kaku Kapu. I always forget which order his name is in. Uh, so I yeah. say it backwards, but yeah, Kapu Kaku. Um, so there's, there's a, there's two guys that if they're there at 14, Chaika should jump at them. And I don't know if either of them are going to be available but I hope they are. So I, one of them is Cole Caulfield. He is a, a winger for the U.S. development team right now. Um, and the dude is an elite, elite goal scorer. He put up 70 goals this season for the development team in something like 50 games. What? It's it's ridiculous. And, he, yeah, he's one of like those wow. – because he was playing alongside Jack Hughes for a lot of that. But if you just mm. watch this guy on film – and you watch his shot, it is elite. It's from a lot of the couple of guys, draft guys I was reading, Corey Pronham, a couple others, he has the best shot in, in this year's draft. Um, and so if he's there at 14, the Coyotes should jump at him 110%. He's exactly what they need and something they've never really had, which is just a guy who all you have all he does is is score goals. But the thing with him is that he's only five foot seven. He is tiny. So there's been there's the comparisons are out there already between him and Alex Debrinket. Um and in some ways they're similar, some ways they're not. But I mean that's I mean you guys will agree with this. The NHL is going in a way where um smaller, faster players, that's the future of the NHL. So this isn't a Kyler Murray situation where the his height matters to me. It's you just look at that shot, look at his hockey sense, and he's gonna be a great NHL players. So I don't know if you guys know that much about Cole Caulfield, but you should probably look into him. <laughs> he's pro- I have a feeling he's going to end up going in the top 10 of this draft. And he's not going to be available for the Coyotes, unfortunately. 
Yeah, so Cole Caulfield, and then is there? You said there was another name. Yeah, that there's you another one that I'm not too, I'm not as familiar with as Cole Caulfield, but he's he's been mentioned with the Coyotes and linked to him a little bit, and it's author Kaliev. He's in, playing for Hamilton right now in the OHL. And he's another guy. He was at the top end of the the OHL in um, in goals last year too. So he's he's a goal scorer first. Um, he he does have some some issues. He's a, he's a winger. Obviously, um, I think the criticisms mostly with with him are in his headspace. Like, is he really committed to playing the game? Is he going to be somebody that's going to be played one hundred and ten percent every time he's on the ice? Um, but I mean, you can't argue with with his results with Hamilton. I don't have his numbers in front of me for whatever reason, unfortunately. But, yeah, he, he was one of the top goal scorers in the OHL. So, Caulfield or Arthur Kaliev are the two guys that I would love for them to draft. Kaliev is more likely to be around at 14, so I think he's going to be the more likely pick. But if Caulfield mm-hmm. is there, I would I would uh, be very, very happy. What's this, What's the size and weight on Caulfield? He's uh, five foot – he's listed on this side at five foot six, 150 pounds. Okay, Clayton Keller <laughs> wow. is also a thumbnail, and he has problems with that. So that's the only problem that I might that we this team is missing right. size. So that's the only problem I'd find with that. But I, I mean, like if he can score all the goals in the world, that then that doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily the case either. Because I'm curious what you guys think because it's been something that's come up in the Stanley Cup final too, which is this idea of like heavy hockey and the size oh, yeah. of of the St. Louis Blues as opposed to the size of the Boston Bruins. And I, I just don't buy that narrative about that you have to be big and hit and play heavy in order to win. Well, shooting isn't that way anymore. Shooting is completely in the fact that it's not taking these hard slap shots anymore. It's more about the finesse. Like, if you notice any time that uh, Austin Matthews takes a shot, it's any time he barely looks like he's using that much effort it's just the way that he's moving the puck. And so in that regard, uh, yes, but for board battles, this team was not very good at winning board battles and they need the size for that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I totally agree. The game is moving in a very different direction um, in terms of going smaller size and higher skill. Yeah, you got players like Patrick Kane really started it all. And then you get guys like Debrinkit, Johnny Goudreau, and yeah, now players like Caulfield, I guess. It, it definitely is concerning because um, those guys can get shut down real quick. As you can see in every playoff game that Johnny Gaudreau has played, uh, all players need to do is whack at his hands, and like that's it. Like he can't, he can't, um, he can't figure a way around it. Uh, you just got to be slippery, like uh, like Kane or. Yeah, you just got to be able to play like Kane can because he's been the most successful um, with that kind of profile. And uh, yeah, it's it's definitely it's it's interesting because the playoffs are, are a completely different game than than the regular season. And you can see it because that's how the refs are calling the games this year, too. They're not calling slashes or hooks or trips the the same way that they do during the regular season. Uh, So there really is, I find this like in today's NHL, you kind of have to have a team that can play 
both styles. And you see that in the two teams that are in the finals right now, St. Louis Blues and the Boston Bruins. They can both play a really heavy, bruising game, but they can also beat you in transition. They also have those high skill guys who can make those cross ice, beautiful passes and score goals that way. Yeah, Boston's Boston's speed and and their transition game, I think, is something that not a lot of people really note. But that like that's the the way that team is built um, is like they're incredible because not because of their heavy hitting um, kind of mentality, but more so because they have um, that skill and speed. Um, so they can kind of transition and play either game depending on who they're up against, right? And having I think having that flexibility in, in your roster is really important. Yeah, you have to have it complemented. Yeah. So you maybe not maybe not have a your top six just all five foot six guys, but <laughs> well that's what Clayton Keller, like that was part of his biggest problem this year. Like he only had fourteen goals and a, a lot of it had to do with the fact that he either needed to pick his uh, skill up and just work around it, or he needed to toughen up. And he tried to toughen up a little bit towards the end, but some of it was actually sitting there from ice level, like watching it was a little bit cringy because you got a little bit nervous because there are certain times where I go, oh no, he's not going to try and do that. He's not going to win that. He's not going to win that. And I would just cringe so bad watching it because I know that he's trying to play a tougher game to try and balance it out. But someone like him, he kind of just has to be butter. He has to, you know, find a way to slither through the middle there and not get touched as opposed to try and take it on. And that's kind of what he tried to do this season and it didn't work out for him. Yeah, I I was I was actually going to. That's a good transition, Corey. Thank you. I wanted to ask you guys what um, what your thoughts are on, on Clayton Keller, because. I've heard from other people who may or may not be Arizona Coyotes fans, but uh, I guess like the outside viewpoint is that they believe Clayton Keller is overrated and he's played 82 games in both seasons, the both, uh, both seasons that he's been with the Coyotes. He played seven or three games in 2016-17, but I wouldn't count that. Uh, Last year, he had 65 points, 23 goals, 42 assists he had a a really good first year but he kind of got into a sophomore slump 47 points 14 goals like you said 33 assists minus 21 and I know plus minus is dumb but that's it's still indicative of of some things uh so what are your guys' thoughts on on Clayton Keller do you think he deserves the hype that uh he's received throughout his short brief career and he's in his last year of his RFA as well how much would you realistically want to see him extended for? I would say that calling him that this considering thinking that he is overrated, I think is a little much. I think Mm -hmm. he is what they make him out to be. I think he just hit a lot of roadblocks. He didn't realize he's going to have this season. And I think this season was a giant learning curve for him. He realizes during this offseason that he's going to need to continue to get faster and more skilled and more clever about the way he plays because he isn't going to be able to play the way he was playing this season at all. And I think it was a learning curve for Talkit to see the fact that he needs that support and he needs to be with someone that can, in a way, not 
protect him, but still be able to compliment him well in that way because he just does not have, he has to be confident and he has to be together because the problem with him is once he got into his slump, he started trying to grind it out more, which this team is a very strong grinding team. It always has Mm -hmm. been, and I don't really see it changing anytime soon because it's always been a team that's skill hasn't been, you know, there's no Patrick Canes per se ever on this team, but they always seem to work hard and work through it. So I think he was trying to get into that mindset, but he needs to, and he needs to more go into the mindset of, I am the skilled player and I need to treat myself like the skilled player and try not to get touched as opposed to trying to grind it out with everyone else. And I think a lot of that has to do with his own self-confidence because you could tell through a lot of this season that he was not in the right mind frame. Yeah. He's, he's a streaky player. Like that's, I think that's what we've learned from Clayton Keller. Like I think he, I don't think he is what he I don't think he's ever going to be an elite player. I think he's going to be one of those guys that is still good enough to make the all-star team like he did this year. Um, I think he's one of those guys that's – he's not going to put up 80 or 90 points a season. Okay, that's not that's not going to happen with Clayton no. Keller. He's a guy that's probably hmm. going to be like your, your bottom level of your – I'm trying to figure out a way to describe this. He is going to be your, yeah. your like C-level um, – like number one score in a way, kind of like he's not like a B level, like middle six. Like he can still play on your top line and still put up twenty five goals and forty five assists and and you know get just sixty five seventy points a season. I think that's what Clayton Keller yeah. Clayton Keller is and what he will be. Um, so he just had he just had a down year. I, I, I mean, I, it was a team that just didn't score. Their offense wasn't that good at all, and. That's what's going to happen on a team that's not good offensively is everybody's going to be brought down a little bit, and that's what happened to Clayton Keller this year. And I expect this coming season to be better. You know, I think he's going to be a little bit more like what happened in his in his first season. And I was just actually just quickly, I was just looking at his his uh, advanced stats a little bit, and they're pre- they were pretty much the same year to year. So those didn't change much, which is which is which is good in my opinion. If they're the same, his PDL was. 987 so he still has room for improvement um next season but i'm not too concerned about clayton keller you just just had a down year like that happens in every sport yeah for sure and i'm extremely impressed with him too because being able to play 82 games um two straight years when you're 19 20 years old that's a lot to ask of a 19 20 year old and, uh, and yeah, like you said, Corey, he's going into those corners, uh, trying to grind it out against like men who are in their late twenties or thirties. Um, it's definitely, they all have their old man strength and I don't think Keller's there yet. No. So, yeah. So I guess 65, 70 point player, you guys would be comfortable with, uh, signing him to like six, 6.5 for a, an extended amount of time. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not the – that's the one thing I'm not good at is, as far as, like, money is concerned. I don't pay too much attention to it, so mm-hmm. I don't really know what the going rate is for for a player like him. I mean, I, I, it seems to me like six, six and a half is the going rate for a player of yeah. his caliber. So, I, I, that'd be to me, that would be fair. And I think it's all dependent. Right now, he is 
like plan to be the top scorer on this team. So it, depending on how this team changes, that could also alter that. Yeah, I see him. Sure. I see him actually very similar to uh, Jonathan Durant um, in in a lot of ways in terms yeah. of um, his role on the team or expected role on the team um, and his. His effort is way better, though. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just, yeah. So, and uh, Jonathan signed for just under six mil for five years or so. So, yeah, I can see Clayton going around six if you can keep him keep him there. So. Yeah, I'd, I'd expect him to make a little more than Derek Stepan, who's making 6.5. But maybe just under would make sense, too. Uh, Derek Stepan does have the fact of there is not a lot of leadership on this team. And when he came in... He was yeah. a strong leader and a really kind of a ground for everyone to come back to since he literally stepped into the building. He was very impressive. I was very, very, very impressed by him in his initial interviews when he got here and how he dealt with the team. And um, I mean, I've changed my opinion on OEL being captain now, but in the beginning, I was not ready for OEL to be captain. He made a giant step up this season. I wanted Stepan to be because I had never really seen someone come into a team and not really want, he didn't particularly want to be here in a way. He was very happy Mm -hmm. where he was at, but he took on the responsibility and he went above and beyond for that team from the very get-go. For sure. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think the first year OEL was a captain, he wasn't ready for it. And yeah, I think Derek Stepan helped him out a lot with with that. Yeah, Derek Stepan's a beauty. I, I, I love the guy. And um, you guys have a, a, a pretty decent leadership group with uh, Ekman Larson as your captain, Derek Stepan as an assistant, and Nick Charlmerson as, as an assistant as well. You've got some good, uh, good heads on shoulders uh, leading the team. So yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to to what uh, what this team can do next year. Hopefully, with a full season from Anti Ranta and continued remarkable backup goaltending from Darcy Kemper, you guys are able to to sneak into the playoffs there. And yeah, let's. Do you have anything else to add, John? Um, no, I just uh, just that report that uh, that I had read, um, and then I guess that we're not really sure um, if it's been verified um and i just checking on reddit just saying that um arizona's last last year arizona's uh season was the most successful financially in terms of having the, the record in ticket sales and um having a, a record in year over year revenue so it looks like things are turning up uh and yeah i'm just hoping that uh, that trend can continue yeah do you guys want to share your thoughts on that and then we can talk a little bit about uh the playoffs this year, maybe your thoughts. Um, I think it's, it's hard to say whether it's accurate or not, but I do think that this season has definitely been a higher attendance for sure. I think this is finally the groundwork that they've been trying to lay down to get fans coming to games and get people interested and totally just getting um, everyone at the pace. Sorry. I like, I started laughing Richie goes pee more than anyone I know and had to run away to go pee. So I'm like laughing as I'm talking. Um, but in reality, I think. Do you get, do you get a sense? What was that? Do you get a sense in the, do you get a sense in the city that, or in, in the arena that um, 
the attitude with within the fan base is kind of is growing. I think it's taking a drastic shift. I think this last season was the first time that I really saw a foundation being built here that is getting strong for hockey in the state because in general it's kind of like its own underground society in a way like everyone knows everyone and it's very close-knit and I think it's becoming more normal for the general public now and I think that since uh, especially since ASU when NCAA it started and the college scene started growing I think it really started helping uh, the Coyotes out because people started paying more attention to the team. I mean, in the end, having an arena in Scottsdale would make a massive difference. Uh, Hockey's Mm -hmm. not a cheap sport by any means. So, uh, you know, having it that far away, it's in, in rush hour traffic, it is an hour and 30 minutes away from Scottsdale. So you have oh any of those people that are trying to get to those games after work, which a lot of people work in Scottsdale or downtown. It's probably a good hour too. So it's hard to get all the way to Glendale, I think has always been a problem that the team has always had. But I think right. with the foundation that they're building and the fact that pe- they're getting, uh, you know, we were last in attendance many, many years in a row. And we're, we finished 29th, which is actually a pretty good uh, bump for us. So, I mean, as we were kind of talking before we started recording, uh, the everything's kind of a gong show over at the Islanders. So I'm not surprised that they're at the very bottom. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I mean, I think this has finally been the turn that the team needed to finally get people interested in the team. They finally have a front person after Doan left. I think it's really setting themselves up for success. Nice. Just need Jerry to come on and call him a bunch of jerks, and then uh, <laughs> the whole city will be rally around them. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, that that sounds that sounds pretty similar to. Um, the senators situation with the arena. their arena out in Canada, Ontario. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's really promising to hear that uh, you guys are making, starting to make waves, even if it's moving up a couple spots in attendance records. Um, that's still, that's still good news. So let's, uh, let, let's end the podcast on um, cup predictions. Who do you guys got in the, in the Stanley cup finals? Are you happy with the teams in the Stanley Cup Finals? <laughs> yeah, so I uh, I am obviously not a Bruins fan, nor do I like the city of Boston, nor any of their sports teams. I'm still bitter <laughs> from the Patriots beating my Los Angeles Rams in the Super Bowl just months ago. So that hangover there in Boston between their championships is really, really sad. So <laughs> I... <laughs> I uh, I uh, I really hope the Blues manage to pull it out, but um, my head from the start has always been telling me that the Bruins are by far the better team. They've been the better team in the playoffs, and Game Three showed that. Like, you just, their mm. Boston's power play is just ridiculous. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a power play that good. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be Boston. I have a feeling it's going to be a short series too. I, it, 
it wouldn't surprise me if they if they win the next two games and go Boston in five at all. Wow. I am the complete opposite of Richie. Uh, so my second team has always been the Bruins because when um, I was growing up, well, when I was growing up, well, my friend who actually got me in that hockey runner. initially was from Boston. So he was always a Bruins fan. So I started out as a Bruins fan. So, um, yes, I I am cheering for the Bruins in it, obviously. I will always take my Coyotes over the Bruins. But, um, of course. They're, yeah, I'm definitely rooting for the Bruins in this. And But I do understand that after everything with the Red Sox and the Patriots, the Bruins winning would be kind of a lot for one city. So I can understand why some people, especially Rams fans after the Super Bowl, hey, you were there. At least you were there. Yes. And you got to look at Tom Brady afterwards. Tom Brady, right side. Tom Brady walked right by me. I could have touched him. Wow. See, so you have you have some bright side. So I can understand why some people would not be happy about it. Um, but I I would be happy about it. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say we're both um we're both going after the Blues here. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's. I think it's pretty clear that Boston is the better team, and it's just a matter of time before they end up winning. And yeah, I, I can see it. I can see it being in five because last night was a gong show. Um, but I mean, the Blues of the Blues are yeah. a very talented team, um, and it, it just kind of whether or not Jordan Benning, Bennington can can keep the minute is really the what. It, how how long the series will depend on? Uh, yeah, I'm. Sorry, I was just ahead, curious Kurt. if you guys had seen this or not. Uh, did you do you guys follow football enough to follow anything that Tom Brady does? Probably no. not. Uh, so I was just curious. <laughs> tell us anyway. But um, he did a video that said like we're still here, and it had uh, a Bad Boys record song underneath it. <laughs> uh, well, it, you'll have to go check it out. There's he did one with Gronkowski, yeah. and then the Bruins did the exact same thing on their plane flight back after they had won um, their series going into the uh, Stanley Cup Finals. So I just I thought that was yeah. really kind of funny that they uh, brought that in there, and it, I think. That's kind mm-hmm. of one of the things that Boston always has going for them is they have people that they can tie into to make their fan base really large. And I think that's sometimes, too, why people get annoyed with the Bruins is because some people are very over the top and that city is also very over the top. <laughs> so it's kind of in your face all the time. Yeah. But that was I thought that was really funny. I thought it was really clever of them. So go check that out. Yeah. And quickly, I will say, I yeah. feel like I have to say something nice about Boston. So I will say this. Um, I love watching, I love watching Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand play. Yeah. Yes. Um, that top, Patrice yes. Bergeron is like a, a much better version or more likable version of Jonathan Taves. Cause at least Patrice Bergeron has a personality. <laughs> well, I, I, and I really want to know, like, what do you guys think of Marchand? Oh, I love the guy. I love the guy. Yeah. Okay. I was just curious. I, yeah. I think he's hilarious, yeah, he's but amazing. I know a lot of people that don't. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes he goes over the line, but like he is 
I, he does it in, in a good spirit, so I'm not too upset about what he does. You don't want to get licked in the face? I mean, I, <laughs> I would prefer not getting licked in the face. And I mean, the league, I kind of sort of dealt with that. Um, I guess this 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 uh, playoff run uh, has been more him him and the him and the announcers, or I guess the the interviewers. He's been in a bit of a, a fight with the Canadian broadcasters um, because they they kind of made fun of the fact uh, when he broke um, that player that Columbus player's stick, Cam Atkinson. Cam Atkinson. They were just kind of cheeky as, in in an interview asking him some cheeky questions, and he just ended up skating away. And then he just refused to answer any more uh, questions from that interviewer, like for the rest of the the playoffs. So, I like I mean I love the guy. He's uh, his. His character and his his personality, I think, is is really important for the game because you like you like you said, Jonathan yeah. Taves has no personality, and I mean, I love Jonathan Taves, but the game needs, I think, really needs to highlight that that those the, those characters within the league for well, sure. And it's that's yeah. how you can sell the game too, right? Because you you see basketball, NBA, all their players have their own personalities. Um, and hockey is is starting to get there. Baseball is nowhere near there. So it's it's good to see, and it's also extremely entertaining to see just how much he can get away with. <laughs> and I think I think he's he's trying to test it out a little bit. And I just want to say too, uh, I have met him once, and he is not like he is on the ice um, in person when he's off the ice. He's a real sweetheart. He's a good guy. So a lot of the yeah, heat is justified a little bit if he's doing it to your team, but um, don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, <laughs> I think that's that there's, there's uh, Brad Marchand, the person and Brad Marchand, the hockey player. And there's a difference between those two things. Yeah. And all 31 teams would love, would jump at the opportunity to have him. Oh probably. yeah. They hate, they hate him because he's so polarizing. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, the Flames have a have a guy in Young Kachuk there that I'm hoping can maybe turn into Brad Marchand one day. So it'll be interesting to watch that as well. He uh, does seem to know how to push people's buttons. That's <laughs> <for sure. laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely entertaining to watch. Um, awesome. Yeah, I think we're 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 on we're on St. Louis. We're on the St. Louis train um, just because they've never won a championship before. And they have the most Canadians on their team. So <laughs> <laughs> got to cheer for the homeboys. <laughs> I was going to say, ah, oh, the country bias. Yeah, the country bias buys. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think that's a good way to end the episode. Um, do you guys want to give out your uh, social media handles so people can start following you and listening to your guys' show? Yeah, sure. So uh, we're on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but you can still follow us on Twitter. Uh, at Corey underscore Richie show is our Twitter. Uh, Instagram is, I believe it's just at Corey Richie show on Instagram. Right. I think so. We're terrible at this guy. Sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get her going again here pretty soon, but um, we're just busy people. So, I mean, a lot of times we do web shows too. So, you know, we have a little lower third that we've already prepared that has the, uh, yeah. 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 At, it's just at Corey Ritchie show. And then our individual ones is mine's at Corey Nicole with two E's yours. Uh, yeah. Follow me on Twitter. It's at our Flores 91 um, for hockey stuff. And then also a lot of 
arrow tweets too. A little nerd <laughs> stuff going on. Yes, we go to Comic Con every year. We're the, we're that kind of nerds. Awesome. Nice. Yeah, beautiful. And uh, that's Corey with an I, no Y, and Richie without the T. So give these guys a follow. Yeah. Yes, I will smack anybody that puts a T in my freaking name. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Richie, I have been felt like I'm a guy my entire life. Also, most of the time when I turn around when people yell Corey, they're yelling for some random guy. Yeah. So at least you're not having girls. That's true. That's true. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> Yeah, so give these guys a follow um, and give us a follow at HFXD Podcast. We would very much appreciate that. Share it with your friends, your family. Bring your mom. We would all appreciate that. Uh, yeah, you can get you can get at us on uh, Twitter, Spotify, um, Google, Apple Podcasts, all the major directories. I'm assuming that you guys are on the major directories as well. Yep, we are on... I think the only one we're not on is Spotify, right? Yeah, yeah. We're on Apple Podcasts. We are on um, um, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. And then also we do our YouTube show too, so you can see our pretty faces. Um, So if you can follow us on YouTube as well, our channel. Beauty. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. You guys were wonderful guests. Yeah. We're very happy to have you on. I don't think I've ever... I don't think I've ever really met or, or chatted with an Arizona Coyotes fan uh, in depth. So this is actually a really cool experience for me. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm gl- yeah, we exist. We are here. We're <laughs> not like dragons from Game of Thrones. <laughs> we, might, we might be some random mythical unicorns or something. You never know. <laughs> Beautiful. Yeah. So uh, that's it, everybody. Catch us next week and uh, we'll catch you later. Bye. Thanks for having us. Da-da-da-da-da.